1: What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And technically, we're coming at you on Friday, April 28th. I'm in New York here with Brandon Robinson over Streamlabs. And we're talking Chicago Bears day one, as well as the rest of the draft. Brandon, how you doing this evening? What'd you think of the first
2: day? I'm great. It was, it was everything I wanted in round one of the draft, just complete chaos.
1: Oh, I mean, chaos, like immediately started Brandon with Houston trading up to three and no, not just that, but Detroit trading out to six. I mean, before we got to the bears pick, what went through your head? What stunned you? What do you think of the moves?
2: I mean, right off the bat, like, just the quarterback they selected, like the Houston Texans. Like not nothing that was reported said that they were gonna want CJ Shroud. So it was like once they took him, it's like, all right, well, what's everybody else gonna do behind them? And it's the Colts just let the Texans trade in front of them again. So it's like any any other team could have traded in front of the Colts and gotten the quarterback, and they just stood pack. And the Houston Texans just traded a bunch of future capital to get another really good player in Willie Anderson, but it's just a very questionable move to trade all of that for not a quarterback. Cause he, That's they gave up, they gave, gave up quarterback capital to get him.
1: That's definitely how I felt. And Hey, Brandon, I've taken a lot of shots at Chris Ballard for being, I, I don't want to use the word gutless. I've tried to pick synonyms, but he's been, he's been a value hunter to the point of frustration. Hey man, kudos to him. Because he wins this game of chicken, at least I think so, Brandon, that he let Carolina trade up to one. He let Houston trade up to three. He let Houston pick a quarterback at two, and he still got a quarterback that I think is a star in Anthony Richardson, at least a quarterback worth taking and making your potential franchise guy. What do you think of him?
2: I mean, it's it's better to be lucky than good, right? Because say the Titans trade up to three and take Anthony Richardson. Are they taking Will Levis, a guy that just dropped to r- round two? Are they taking him with the fourth overall pick? No way. Like, I, that, that is just that, that is hard to fathom. But, no, I, 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 I like Anthony Richardson. I like that they took a shot on him. He's perfect for that offense. You, like, you saw what... Jalen Hurst did you saw what they were able to build around him and you can just envision them building that same thing around Anthony Richardson to me and like I know a lot of people think that the whole Cam Newton comparison is lazy and blah 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 but it's like that is the only other guy that has looked the way he he's looked and moved the way that he has moved in the NFL so I think the sky's the limit for him. I'm really, really excited for what he does um, and excited for what the what the Colts do moving forward to build around him.
1: Same, especially with Shane Stetchen coming over from Philadelphia, where you know he's got a little bit of experience with mobile quarterbacks through Jalen Hurts and his work there. It should be fun. But hey, this is a Bears podcast, so let's get to what matters because, Brandon, from there, things just got crazier. Devin Witherspoon. Going at five. Then what is it? Lions, they trade out. Cardinals come back up, right? Now they're at six. They take Paris Johnson, first lineman off the board. Fall to seven, Tyree Wilson. Project, we love him. Right, would have thought he or would have had him in Chicago if we got the chance. The Bears don't get the chance to test his ankle out. Right, then we're down to eight. Bijan Robinson off the board. Who's there at nine? Brandon,
2: it's Jalen Carter.
1: It's the theoretical dream scenario. What were you thinking when they
2: got there? Oh, I I was ecstatic. I'm like, we finally we came full circle like uh, the mock drafts before they made before they made the trade and they had the number one pick they were he was being mocked Jalen Carter was being mocked to the Bears at number one overall so we get we trade out we get DJ Moore we get a future first and now we're sitting at nine and Jalen Carter is right there so we came full circle we're able to pick him all the all the reports are that there's no possible way that he's making it past nine, and. They were right in one way. He didn't He didn't make it past nine. The sure. Eagles, the Eagles traded up with the Bears and took Jalen Carter.
1: Well, and I'm sitting there thinking the same thing, Brandon. Like, Jalen Carter falls to nine. I'm on a live stream with a bunch of Giants guys, and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, the Bears might be about to steal the best player in the draft. And then I see a little notification, right, uh, right, Brandon? Trade. The Bears have traded the Eagles have come up. It was obvious from jump street. What was happening, right? Like, did Mm -hmm. you think, I think I talked myself into maybe the Eagles came up for Skaronski. But as soon as I saw Jalen Carter's name flash up on the screen, like everything clicked, you know, what did you think afterwards? How quickly did you go into the spin zone versus, I don't know, a realistic feeling that you can walk away with.
2: I mean, I know me and me and you talked about it before the draft. Like, if Jalen Carter was on the board, I was going to turn into a complete fan. And that's what happened. Like, it's like, as soon as he was on the board, I became a complete fan. As soon as they passed on him, I became one of the angry fans that <laughs> not wasn't dr- thinking logically at all. Like not one. Right. Player. Right. But like you you give, you give me time to settle in. And this is what I was thinking prior, prior to the draft, prior to be being put in that situation if he actually made it to nine, that would have meant that eight other teams said, no, thank you. Right. Like, to, like, so if you really, really think about that, like you got eight different organizations,
1: very different
2: that are, ju- that are very different. Some equi- equipped to, to have them. Some, maybe not that they all said no. And so it's like, What really makes Chicago and what 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 makes the Bears organization different? Like what 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 makes them able to bring him in and make it a good situation?
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I found myself thinking the same thing, Brandon, where after it happened, we'll get to Darnell Wright in a moment. We got plenty to say about him. But after it happened, I suddenly found myself saying, Brandon, what was I thinking? If he had interviewed well, why wouldn't Pete Carroll have wanted him? If he had interviewed well, why wouldn't Dan Campbell be falling over himself to give Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston a nightmare in the interior, you know? Because, Brandon, can we call a spade a spade here when you're evaluating a dynamo and potential next Micah Parsons in Will Anderson and you're evaluating a unique— Almost Madden create a player in Tyree Wilson. Even amongst really good players, can we agree? Jalen Carter stood out. I mean, his tape is amazing.
2: Big time, big time. I mean, he arguably had the most upside in the class. Like you, you just don't you don't build guys like that every single day. And then, like guys, guys like that are guys that you build your complete defense around.
1: Right. And so as soon as he goes through some of these other teams, I mean, look, I I haven't looked at the charts. I can't say this for sure. I'm pretty sure taking a future fourth to move down one spot within the top 10 might be one of the cheapest trade-ups ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. The Bears basically scooped a pick for free off of a player that they chose not to take. And in a weird way, Brandon, I think I think I think I feel better knowing that at least we got clarity on whether or not he was on the board. Like we don't have to hear afterwards, right, that he wasn't on the board. We watched them make the choice. You know what I'm saying?
2: Right, right. We don't we don't have to we don't have to hear about any allegedly talk. Allegedly they didn't want him, allegedly this. Like you, you got you, you got it. Like you were able they were able to to make the decision, he's not for us, he won't fit our organization, we're not at the place in our rebuild to where we can take on that type of guy and think that we're gonna be successful in that situation.
1: Right. And I totally get. Anybody out there saying, well, if Jalen Carter turns into a nightmare, Poles is going to look like an idiot. And, and my honest response would be kind of similar, Brandon, to the Justin Fields thing. I don't think the Broncos get near as much hate for Fields. I mean, obviously, we give Ben Albright a hard time, right? As <laughs> Carolina and like some of the teams in front of them that were like, why didn't you take him? You know what I mean? Like. Why Jalen Carter can make a lot of people look foolish, but at the same time, okay, so a couple of the Giants fans here, right? They wanted they wanted to see the Eagles take Bijan, right? They thought the Eagles are in such a good position right now, they can afford the luxury of a superstar running back. Follow the train of thought so far? hmm By that same token, Brandon, isn't Jalen Carter basically the same attitude, but the value of that pick is doubled? Like, the Eagles really are in position to where if Jalen Carter gets cut, like, before camp, they're still a really good football team. Not that that would be considered a good move. You know what I'm saying? Just that if you get that, like, potential defensive player of the year three tech, then great. Your team's a lot better. And if you, if if that pick, Totally flames out. You got Nolan Smith, you know, like the Eagles are in the position to gamble. I don't know if there's any other team in the NFL that is.
2: Yeah, no, I mean my one and only predictive mock draft. I had the Eagles taking Nolan Smith at 10th overall. So like the, the like the, the fact of the matter is like, they're like, they, they just have an enormous of like riches like right. they're completely too deep on the defensive line. They're building their offensive line. Same thing. Like it's just an embarrassment of riches. And like, I I I completely disagree with the whole. You're in a position to make a luxury pick because you, you're really not. Guys get injured Never in the are. NFL all of the time you just like you just don't we're when teams talk about best player available that's like that's why it makes sense to take the best player available because you need to hit on these picks right. you Can't just be taking a guy because it would be sweet on your team like yes b john w- would look sweet in an eagles uniform it would be sweet in fantasy football but having a guy like jalen carter wreck the cowboys every single game next to oh. jordan davis and Nolan Smith, building, building, and Hassan Redick,
1: and yeah, like yeah, just like, the mountain of other talented players. Dean,
2: another Jacob, another another uh Georgia, Georgia defender. Defender. God. Oh
1: yeah, it, it'd be nasty. But now let's get to the Bears' pick. So the Bears technically did what all kinds of. Big nerds like myself wanted them to do. They trade down. They take a tackle. They take Darnell Wright. I remember I was asked on stream. They were like, Robert, what do you? Who do you want? I was like JSN because I'm a fanboy. What can I say? I love a receiver, right? But who do I think they're going to take? Darnell Wright, right tackle. He's the only right tackle. Brandon, you and I talk about this off like recordings a lot. That I think a lot of people underrate the ever so small amount of risk that is involved with taking somebody whose tape is on the left side and moving them to the right and acting like they'll be exactly the same player maybe maybe not you know what i'm saying
2: yeah i mean there there's no more changes that can be made than going from a college football program to an NFL football program right and like the the amount of variables that go into a guy hitting or a guy not hitting And then having a guy switch sides, you're adding another variable, another hill for that guy to climb over.
1: Right. And I'll tell you what, the nice thing about Darnell Wright. So if we went through all the other tackles, look, I'm not about to do the Bears Homer thing where I tell you that secretly Darnell Wright is the best of the best tackles. But I'll tell you what, Brandon, we've been talking a lot. Especially like all Bears fans about how much the Bears value their running game. Let's call a spade a spade. Darnell Wright is powerful, and at the new weight that he's going to play at, because I'm pretty sure—I mean, call me crazy—he looks like he played at 350 in Tennessee, and he looks like he's going to play at around 320 in Tennessee. What are you laughing about?
2: I'm mean, just—I mean, not a lot of not a lot of people are just going to call out guys for for what they look like they actually weigh. And that like, because everybody sticks on the combine weights and those are just weights that guys just never, ever play on. Have he never worked played, himself to have that. Ne- have never played at those weights, will never play at those weights again because it's not realistic for their body types.
1: Right. Like Wright's poor movement skills in Tennessee look like he was carrying, look, Brandon, I only see it because I just scouted this with Larry Borum. Right. Who mm-hmm. lost, I'm pretty sure, 50 freaking pounds <laughs> like between him at, uh what Missouri and like him in Chicago. It's, it, we've seen this before, right? The NFL doesn't want somebody playing at 360, it's just not fast enough, you know? And so uh, the main thing that really intrigues me with, right, Brandon, I haven't seen an offensive tackle. Look, I was the Tyler Smith guy last year, his hands are all over the place. Right, Darnell Wright's hands have some of the most developed pass rush move or like pass pro moves. I don't know what you call them, like pass defenses. I guess like he can snatch trap, he can engage the outside shoulder, he can recover. That's really important to me that when he loses, he can replant, re anchor, and drive from that position. Like, if you ask me, Brandon, maybe Darnell Wright's a stud in the run game wouldn't surprise me, but. You're drafting him to protect the passer. And I got to say, welcome change for a Bears offense that desperately needs juice in the passing game one way or another. You know what I'm saying?
2: Right, 100%. When we're going into free agency, the number one guy that I wanted was Chawon Taylor because he was the best pass-protecting guy in free agency, and he played right tackle. And so you look at Darnell Wright, I see that guy in the same way in the same light. Right. He's right. a right tackle. I thought he was the best pass protecting tackle in the class and they drafted him. So I like I think it I think it made all the sense in the world. I think the Bears have the right vision because a lot of people when they talk about quarterbacks they need to be thinking about what type of quarterback you're going to get. And right. Justin Fields isn't the type of quarterback that's just going to step up in the pocket. He's going right. to sit at the back of the pocket and then decide what he's going to do from there. He's he's not going to guy that's going to slide up in the pocket. So, with that being said, you need a you need very very good tackles. Now, right. Braxton Jones is still a question mark, but getting the best pass protecting right tackle will be very very important for Justin Fields. Absolutely. I mean,
1: Brandon obviously, okay, so let's be clear. I'm not about to talk about what darnell wright's gonna do in his first couple days as a bears rookie right let's talk about what he'll do in the future the hope would be that darnell wright becomes trustworthy enough on the right hand side that you can designate the chipper whether that's your tight end whether that's your running back to help braxton jones right because mm-hmm. braxton wasn't bad with help the big problem that i know i saw is that whenever they helped braxton Borum got destroyed you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't help both. You only get one chip. And the moment you try to double chip, you take way too much juice out of your receiving game because now you've got two checkdowns, neato, right, instead of three vertical routes. And like you said, Justin Fields wanted to sit in the back of the pocket. Look, it's not, it's not Brady's style of quarterbacking, but it's viable if Fields has receivers downfield that he can weaponize. And that's what the DJ Moore trade was for. So in effect Ryan Poles kind of turns pick number 1 into like a passing starter kit for the offense, right? With DJ Moore and a guy you're hoping becomes a tackle
2: you're comfortable leaving on an island, you know? Right, 100%. I mean that that's the whole argument that I feel like has been made for the last 40, I mean 400 days since Ryan Poles became the GM it was like right. he needs to help Justin Fields. He needs to help Justin Fields. And I'm I'm I was right there. Like, what is this? This dude needs to help Justin Fields because, like, I like him, and I think he's had his up and downs. But I think he needed the right opportunity to see what he could truly do with everything around him. Like, right? Same thing with Jalen Hurts. Right? You build everything around him, and he flourishes. Now we need to see the same thing happen with Justin, and we've just started to do that. The pieces are just starting to come around. Let's see what he can do.
1: And it may take a minute, may take a couple weeks. We mm-hmm. saw the lions. They lost nine. They lost eight games out of their first nine. And suddenly it clicked, right? It, this is still a developmental season, not dissimilar to last year, but should be a lot more fun, you know? But, Obviously, a lot's going to depend on day two, but sticking to Darnell Wright real fast. One thing I feel like polls showed in free agency is that he has a line and he's not willing to overpay for somebody like Mike McGlinchey, who obviously we knew they were rumored on. Right. I know I'm giving polls credit for something that a lot of people on the Internet cannot freaking stand. But, Brandon, I actually respect that polls stuck to his guns. He said, I'm not going to pay for Mike McGlinchey. That's terrible value. But I do have to fix the problem, right? He didn't just neglect right tackle or say, we'll figure it out with somebody like Wanya Morris that I've been casting myself up for for two months. He was never going to be ready week one. You didn't even know if he was going to ever be ready, right? Round two tackles have a historically bad hit rate. So. The Bears end up with a safe choice that I don't know if he's going to have day one sizzle. I don't know if he's going to have year one sizzle. Look at Evan Neal in New York. Look at all kinds of these rookie tackles. Jonah Williams is on a trade market right now, uh, sort of, because he's not been a great fit in Cincinnati. Overall, this is a pick that I, I not not just I can't complain, I'm very happy with this pick. It needed to happen eventually right now the bears can go take all the positions that I think are frankly more fun, but you needed a tackle like this eventually. And there's not really a better place to get them than the top 16, you know?
2: Right. 100%. I mean, they needed, they needed to secure a right tackle at some point. And I love, I like the idea of grabbing a guy in free agency. If tackle didn't end up working out, but at the same time, like you need, we're trying to build for 2024, 2025. If you didn't draft a guy right now, then likely you wouldn't have that guy for 2024, 2025 that is solid and young and reaching his full potential. Right. So being able to get that guy now and build and go over over all those hurdles that he's going to eventually face is a good thing to go over right now.
1: Absolutely, Brandon. Look, I'll use a – I hope this metaphor lands. Goodness, I hope this metaphor lands. But – I feel like as sports fans, Brandon, it's really common for us to take what's chalk and then get excited about what's chalk, right? Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, by chalk, I mean what's expected, what's common, what would be exciting, frankly. And then we get bored with it, and we dream up this crazy scenario that maybe if all the stars align, something even cooler would happen, you know? And Anybody who I think is disappointed in the Darnell Wright pick, I don't want to say anybody, but Paris Johnson wasn't on the board, right? You're choosing between Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones, a left tackle that has serious issues in his past pro, built like a brick house, superstar athlete, might end up the best tackle, but Brandon, he might end up the best tackle on another team. It, It reminds me that there are first round picks. Tell me if this lands like Tremaine Edmonds, right, where Buffalo did. All of the developing for Chicago got one good year out of him and lost him to free agency, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody's timeline is different. Darnell Wright is still young. He'll be 22 um, a little later this year, I think. So plenty young, right? Not the youngest, but plenty young. Project Jones has a good two years of developing before maybe he'll be pretty good. With Darnell Wright, you know what you're getting a pass protector. Proven against somebody like Will Anderson and the rest of pretty stiff SEC competition. I'll tell you, if there's one worry, Brandon, it's the attitude thing. I'm sure you've seen what I have, those articles of scouts just eviscerating his work ethic, right? But this is the same group that passed on Jalen Carter. So obviously there's something different between Darnell Wright, at least in the interview room, and somebody like Jalen Carter. I am curious what it is, but for now... I, I can only trust or at least Brandon trust that if Darnell Wright really didn't want to work, why would he want to make his appeal to the guy whose introductory press conference included saying, get your track shoes on? You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in listening to Ryan polls immediately after, like he talked about how hard him and Chris Morgan worked out Darnell, Darnell Wright during their their ind- individual workout. And he made it seem like it was grueling. And he said every every time he like he expected Darnell Wright to to quit or to not keep pushing. Like he had the grit to keep going. And so if he really really impressed Ryan Poles and Chris Morgan in their individual workouts, like I don't know why that would be any different in practice. And
1: I mean Brandon, let's be honest here. We talk a lot about these draft picks. I I know there are a lot of people out there that are like, you're 18. You're an adult. I'm 28. I feel like I'm only starting to find myself over the last like year. You know, everybody obviously operates on a different timeline. But if Darnell Wright, Brandon, started two years as a 19 and a 20 year old and just didn't have it. And then he switched to right tackle, recognized that that was a demotion and it just clicked in his head. That's a very human story, you know? Normal, even not that I'm trying to build the case that Donald Wright's going to be a Hall of Famer, but you know what I'm saying? Like things can change, and if you, the the worst person to ask about it is going to be Tennessee coaches, right? Because they're upset that their five star wasn't a stud, you know? Right?
2: Yeah. I mean i've I've been around eighteen and nineteen year old college offensive linemen. Like I literally have run scout cards. For those exact kids, like, I know how immature those kids can be. Like, pain, painfully immature. Painfully. Like, the the worst kind of kids you want to be around. But it's just like, I was probably just like those kids. Eventually, those guys mature into the men that they will eventually be. And so it's like, not everybody matures at the same timeline as, as the next guy. As long as they mature, as long as they show they're willing to mature... That's all that matters.
1: That's how I feel. And plus, Brandon, just in case Darnell needed any more motivation, every every positive pass block that he has against James Houston, Aiden Hutchinson, Preston Smith, that all builds towards an $120 million payday in three years. You know, like, I know there are like plenty of people that are like, money shouldn't be your motivator. But Brandon, that's
2: a lot of money. <laughs> yeah that's that's not the world we live in money is money is the motivator nine times out of ten when it comes <laughs> to big decisions that's just oh, yeah the world we live in
1: absolutely hey we're gonna take a quick break so that we can get some ad reads in but brandon after that you and i are going to come back let's talk the rest of the nfc north and the rest of draft day one we'll see you on the other side And we're back with Bear With Me, talking day one of the draft. Brandon, we've talked about Darnell Wright. We've talked about Jalen Carter. We hinted a little bit at Detroit's trade down. Let's go through top to bottom of the rest of the NFC North. We don't need to be huge haters. Honestly, if you like the pick, you like the pick. Let's start with the Lions. How were you feeling when you found out that Detroit's worst-kept secret, Dem Wishbone, was gone. And that means that somehow they were rewarded with pick number 12 and pick number 34 in a trade back with the Arizona Cardinals.
2: I was excited. I was very excited because that meant, or at least I thought that meant that Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson wasn't going to wreck Justin Fields' life for the next couple of years. So I was exci- <laughs> excited about book. that. I didn't care. <laughs> didn't care about the second round, but could, could not have cared less. And because I because what I didn't want to happen is they get Devin Witherspoon taken away from them, and then they just fall into Jalen Carter or a superstar.
1: No, I get that.
2: Yeah, like that's what I didn't want to happen.
1: That's a good way to put it. It's easy for people like me. Honestly, Brandon, who love like there's a little bit of i love that mid-round talent like i've been brandon i could name a bunch of guys right tyreek stevenson uh corner out of miami keanu benton like joe tipman john michael schmitz is still on the board day two talent's fun you know what i mean you Mm -hmm. you get into studying the draft to to talk about day two talent right and so the the fact that they got picked number 34 i was like oh you've got to be kidding me but you're right like a premier top shelf pass rusher might have been the, well, I guess we got to go with guy number two choice in Detroit until they made that trade. But so then at 12, they pick one of our guys, Jameer Gibbs, about 20 slots sooner than I think I would have taken him. And then they follow it up with Jack Campbell
2: out of Iowa. What do you think of these selections? I love Jameer Gibbs. Honestly, if I had to rank my favorite players, he would have been inside my top five at least. Like, I love him. Super fast, extremely explosive, dynamic in the past game, like, super dynamic. But at the 12th overall pick, like, I was stunned. I was, stu- I didn't expect stunned. him. Stunned. I wasn't expecting him to go in the next 12 picks. Like, the fact that they took him. At 12 when they had a pick at 18. Like, I just couldn't fathom it. The gray they must have had to have on him must have been so high, so ridiculously high, that there was no way that they were gonna pass. Like, you saw you saw the reaction that Brad Holmes had when they took him, pounding on the table, jumping up and down when they took Jameer Gibbs. Like it, like I was I was stunned. Like they they must have They must have had in their idea that they were for sure going to take him at 18 after they took Devin Witherspoon. Right.
1: I mean, they must have. And I'll tell you, Brandon, I feel really weird about this one. I'm in the same place as you. I love Jameer Gibbs. I've put out so many tweets talking about visions of Justin Fields and Jameer Gibbs in the same backfield, right? Like, this is a guy who I think is electric. Call him a running back. Call him what you want. This guy's a weapon with a capital W, right? But 12 overall, like the more mocks I do, Brandon, that's a really valuable football player. You know, the, the guys who went two picks before were, let, let's talk Let's talk some names, Brandon. You tell me which one stands out to you, right? Jalen Carter, defensive tackle. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle. Peter Skaransky, best best lineman in the class and a guard. Maybe a center, probably a guard. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, then Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher. Uh, immediately, the last tackle, in, like the last premier tackle, in Broderick Jones, and then Will McDonald immediately afterwards. Like, I mean, one, you know, one of these things is not like the others, right? This is a very trench-heavy pick, and the kind of caliber you can of player you can find there, you just
2: don't really find them further down. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about guys that are getting paid 15 plus million dollars at their position, like all of them for being all of fine. Them. Yeah. For like being av- average football players. And then you look at running back, none of them are getting paid 15 million dollars. The best ones are not getting paid that.
1: No. So Austin Eckler, I don't know. one of the best ones, can't figure out how to get paid. Yeah. Like it's, I. Let's put it this way, Brandon. Uh, before the show started, you talked about how one of the tough things about a Darnell Wright is that fans want—I'm a fan—fans want the sizzle in the or like out of their first-round picks. Gibbs will give you the sizzle, you know. Gibbs is uh. going to make some plays in a Lions uniform that are going to look awesome, right? But in four years, if things don't work out,
2: when people say where did it all go wrong, right? They're going to look back at this draft. You know? Yeah. I mean, Gibbs is the sizzle. He's the steak. He's the asparagus. He's everything. He's everything you 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 could want out of a day one rookie. Like he he's a fantasy guy. Like day day one, he is going to dominate.
1: Do you think he outrushes Bijan?
2: Absolutely not.
1: Lions system though. Like, I mean, that's a great
2: offense. He'll catch a ball too. Like Bijan's gonna get 300 carries that's true 300 <laughs> carries and you he doesn't get, have David montgomery in the backfield
1: which by the way like that's got to be kind of wild for be- demo right like you go from okay i'm the guy in detroit too i am not the guy in detroit he's the guy i am the second guy live in the nfl I don't know.
2: I like. I think. I think their backfield is going to do very, very well behind that offensive line. Arguably, oh, yeah. the best or second best or at least top five best offensive line in the NFL. Like, I Great think they're going to do. Too. I think, yeah, I think they're going to do very well. I think the team is going to be very, very good next year. Very yep. good. So but, then, tell me about Jack Campbell. Yeah, I just, I, I really, I really struggle with that. Um, they, they just signed Alex Angeloni to play Mike for them for the next three years and now they signed Jack Campbell and it's like to me if you're talking about sucking the most amount of value out of a guy like that you're gonna want to play him at Mike so it's like one of these guys has to play Will now you're either playing you're either playing the guy that you paid at Will to to play Will or you're paying the guy that you just drafted in the first round to play Will so it's like I, I just I don't understand Um, I don't agree with paying or drafting linebackers very, very highly, highly, including just main Um, so it's just, it's a very puzzling pick. I wasn't incredibly high on Chad Campbell. I thought first round would have been anywhere would have been an extreme breach at 18. I just, I, I can't understand it at all. Um, yeah, this, this seems like, like, it seems like Dan Campbell put his stamp of approval on that pick like that was All 100% of A Dan Campbell pick like he's 100%. like I get One I get one guy That's my guy and I mean
1: I listened to Dan talk at the combine He talked about how there are some guys That you just get in a room with them and You just click right and does Dan Campbell from Iowa Middle linebacker probably seems like He's one of those rare like Still eats nails for breakfast right Brandon Trenton Simpson does not Eat nails for breakfast Jack Campbell eats nails for breakfast. You know what I mean? I I look at him, crazy athlete, like violent hitter. There are so many cool things that he might do. But Brandon, linebackers struggle to transition all the time. Like, it shouldn't be that bad in Detroit. They got a good team around them. But like you're saying, I mean, 18, none of the receivers had gotten taken yet. You know? Like, that doesn't make receiver automatically a more valuable pick. But, I mean, there are tons of these guys that, again, you used the what are people like them getting paid, right? And while, yeah, Tremaine Edmonds is getting a huge deal. Yeah, Roquan Smith is getting a huge deal. Even that's massive expectations for a rookie rookie linebacker, right? Like, you never know when you've got the next Patrick Queen on your hands. And suddenly, that investment is upside down, right? like. This is the only place. I know I'm about to say something a little ridiculous, so forgive me, Brandon. But if you told me that part of why Ryan Poles spent $24 million a year this offseason on linebackers was so that he could avoid having his head coach looking over his shoulder, breathing into his ear, wanting to draft a linebacker in a situation exactly like this, I actually get it, you know? Because at least one's just
2: money. Pick 18 is a huge investment. Yeah, I it's, it's massive. Massive. I'm not, like imagine, imagine what you could get. Roquan went for a second round pick. Roquan went for a second
1: round pick and money.
2: He went for pick 53. There is no I'll tell you right now, there is 0.0001% chance Jack Campbell's ever close to as good as Roquan. I think that's fair. Like there's just no shot. And he went 18? Mm -hmm. 18? I just I I can't I can't fathom it. Um I hope they take Will Levis next because (laughs) I just want I just want this whole entire I just want it to be the Lions fest now. They like they caught they got caught gambling in in that whole scandal. Now this like I just hope it keeps piling. Pile pile more please.
1: That my whole life, for, sorry for any Lions fans to check in on this, it has been unique, unique ways to squander advantages in Detroit, you know? And this, this feels, I'm almost, I, I feel kind of bad, Brandon, just because the Lions were becoming an outstandingly fun team to watch. The offense is going to remain an outstandingly fun team to watch. No corner amidst all the good corners falling. You know what I mean? That's the thing, Brandon. <laughs> like, 12 could have been, um, a- again, let's reach, right? 12 could have been Brian Brzee. And now you get a stud on the interior. Collage you can't see, right? You could have you had a stud one gap, like, penetrating three-tech to pair with two-speed dynamos on the edge. Okay, so now your D-line is nasty, right? And we're going to up that by adding Deontay Banks to that Aaron Glenn defense, you've got a recipe for pretty nightmarish game plans, especially Brandon, because Ben Johnson's offense is going to score like crazy on you. You know what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm. But but that's
1: not what we're looking at. <laughs> no,
2: no. I mean, you talk, you talk, you talk about the peaks and you talk about sustained success, like looking at the Eagles, like they're building something that's going to be sustained success. You look at, what the lions just did those picks might benefit them year one but they don't benefit sustained sustained success they don't build towards that at all
1: no it's anyways we'll get off it
2: let's talk about
1: everybody's least favorite topic the packers so they pick lucas Van Ness, who i'll tell you braden objectively i think is one of the most interesting projects of the draft but can i be honest brandon i hate i hate the packers picking him like for the packers cuz they're going to play him at d end and i think he's most interesting at 3 tech you know like I, I to me at least this looks like they want him to come in and pick up right where preston smith would have left off right like a big pocket collapsing defensive end that defends hard against the run and they're basically going to say do what you did at iowa full time and that's great but eventually it's tougher than that you know you gotta have more than one pass rush move if you're gonna succeed in the nfl pick 13 another huge investment right if you wanted that you could have had miles murphy if you wanted that you could have had if you wanted something else you could have had nolan smith i don't know i don't know what do you think of the pick because i look at this and i'm like if you're gonna play him at three tech i get wanting him high because three techs are hard to find right but if you just wanted like a run stuffing pocket pressing defensive end Come on. Can't we do more?
2: Yeah. I I knew the Packers would be high on him because he fits perfectly with the type of guys they like. Big, extremely extremely athletic. But like just like I think you put that perfectly. Like he's not going to play 3 tech there. They drafted DeVonte Wyatt, who we both loved, last year to play 3 yep. tech. I like I really struggle to see what exactly he's gonna do. Like, I mean, you're gonna put him opposite Rashon Rashawn Gary and they're gonna try to just pile drive the the pocket, I guess. Like I think his best position was at three tech. I thought if the Bears were gonna draft him, I hope they had the idea yeah. right. of playing him at three tech. But now you take that away from him, I think his ceiling is just not as high there.
1: We're reaching a little further down the board for this comparison, Brandon, but I feel like they took Lucas Van Ness with pick 13 and they're going to ask him to be Zach Harrison at Ohio State, you know? Like, they're going to ask him to be a long-armed, like, hold the edge and set up our other guy. And maybe one day you'll be good too, you know? I just, I hate the role for him because this is a guy who's, uh, look, I get it, Brandon. Everybody says they don't read the internet. They read the internet, right? Like this is a triumphant moment for Lucas Van Ness. His dreams are coming true. Good for him. Uh, he's a guy who's taken a lot of heat on the internet for being quote overrated. This is
2: not going to help him, you know. No, not not. I mean, not at all. Um, but at the same time, I w- I will say, a guy a guy like that has all the upside in the world, all right. the pot- all the potential in the world. Better to- pick than the Lions picks. Oh yes, massively. You, I mean, you could put both those picks together. You could tell me Jack Campbell and Gibbs, and pick thirty-four, or Lucas Van Ness. I would take. I would have taken Lucas Van Ness. No questions asked. Not even close. Not even. Not even close. Regardless of scheme, I would have taken. And Gibbs uh, is like your yes. guy out yes. of ten. Yes. Extreme upside, um, as a pass rusher, as a as a run stuffer. Uh, I really like him. I just I I really I really struggle with the scheme fit. Um, and I mean you you talk about Jackson Smith Jigba. I thought they were set up perfectly. They were set up perfectly. They're gonna they were gonna put their middle finger right in the air and be like, "Ha, Rogers! We were just waiting till you left to take Jack to take a receiver in the first round." Right. And then they just passed on. Him.
1: Even I, like, worse. I go-
2: I don't get that.
1: Brandon, I know you and I are the JSN guys, right? I know that there's a lot of people. I mean, honestly, Brandon, I forgot he had a 2022 season because I think about it so little, right? But Christian Watson plus Jackson Smith Jigba is like a complete, I mean, it's very minimal. You want more weapons than this, but it's a complete offensive package just by the two of them, you know? And that would have actually set up Jordan Love pretty well. And if Jordan Love squandered it, Jordan Love squandered it. At least you knew, right? But instead, they take an edge rusher that I, um, like I get what they're trying to do. Like you said, they've now got Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness. That's a lot of defensive line. That's plus Kenny Clark, you know? Like they got some juice there. They're trying to load up similar to the Eagles. I don't know. If I was a Packers fan, I really think I would have wanted more. You know? I'm, I'm just a little disappointed. He should whoop up Braxton Jones. Because Braxton Jones is like this is this guy's his nightmare matchup, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's one. Like, you ideally you throw a chip at him or you tell Fields to run away from him because what's he gonna do? But there's one more pick we got to talk about, and that's Quessy's Vikings taking Jordan Addison. Now, first of all, I guess I'm glad that all the other receivers got taken first. Because that run from twenty to twenty three was pretty wild, don't you think?
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's, it's. I was and I'm glad it happened honestly because I thought this receiver class took way too much flack, and it just so happened that the best four, in my opinion, the best four receivers, they all went in order, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they they all went they all went in order. I mean, like ex- exactly how I envisioned that they would be ranked. Same. It just so happens that one of them went to the Vikings, which which kind of sucks. But I, I think I think it was the perfect fit. I mean, you put Jordan Addison opposite of Justin Jefferson, and like that—that's a big problem. That is a that is a big problem because when you think about rolling coverages towards a receiver you think about the other side, what kind of dude that you want? You want that type of dude that can get open vertically and not just open vertically in your all stretch of defense, but I can't actually get open because corners in the NFL can actually run. If you can just run, you can't do much. Jordan Addison gets open with his speed and acceleration and his quickness and especially his route running. His route running deep is what makes him special having that opposite of Justin Jefferson is going to open everything for that offense. I thought it was a fantastic pick by the Vikings.
1: I know, I know this is a free and easy comparison to make Brandon, but I envision that they're hoping they, the Vikings are hoping to kindle similar magic with the Hawkinson, Addison, Jefferson, group of re- like receiving targets as the Eagles were able to do with Dallas Goddard amidst um, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like Uh you've got your big throw it to me literally whenever you want to target. You've got your high foot frequency separator and you've got your tight end. That's a little bit of a do it all guy and can catch the ball a lot better than most. We'll see if it works. I mean, Jalen Hurts is the engine that makes a lot of things go. Kirk Cousins isn't quite that guy, but you're building an affordable receiving core for whatever future quarterback investment the Vikings make and kudos to them. Like, this is sweet. I am personally really happy Quentin Johnson didn't make it there because I thought that the real danger, I think Addison's awesome, but if you got a an X receiver that allows Justin Jefferson to move wherever you want to move him, and you know Quentin Johnson is still a threat at any spot, because remember, everybody, like, Jefferson, yes, he can play X receiver, but if you're able to move him along the line as a Z receiver, if you're able to use him as a slot receiver, he gets a lot of value out of that kind of thing. And so you need an X receiver for the formation to be valid. Right, Brandon? Am I getting that right? Like somebody has to play Mm -hmm. on the line. And so Mm -hmm. Johnston and Jefferson, like theoretically could exist on the field together 100% of the time. And it's not that Addison can't play on the line of scrimmage, but Brandon, I gotta say, he's 175 pounds. Like, if he's not Devontae Smith, who's a freaking star, right? He could get beat up by the Christian Gonzalez's and the other corners that are at his level or better. You know what I'm saying? It's that's not me trying to be too much of a Bears fan. I love Jordan Addison. It's more like you're still talking about an exception scenario from a uh, from a height weight, like perspective at receiver in the NFL. And that does make me wonder about how this picks going to work going forward. Cause how many times is this kind of body type going to succeed in the NFL? And it makes me, I guess as a bears fan, glad that it worked out that way. But I, it, I like the pick this one, the most out of all the division by quite a ways.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm a lot higher on Jordan Addison. Um, I think, where they want to go as a team, I think this fits very well. I think they're going to spread it out a lot, a lot more. I think they're going to run a lot more 11 personnel. Um, Obviously they need to find another receiver. It would be ideal if they found an X receiver and then put Jordan, Justin Jefferson in the slot and moves him and Jordan Addison back and forth between the slot and as Z, I think that would work perfectly. Um, But yeah, I, It's an explosive weapon for the Vikings. I know a lot of people talk about them drafting a quarterback, but like they're they're not taking their like their foot off the gas at all. Like they got Marcus Davenport on a one year prove it deal. Like this is a team that's trying to win right now,
1: but they're going to compete
2: for the division.
1: Oh, they're going to Brandon, but they're also hedging their bet. I mean, if memory serves, Kirk Cousins is on a one year deal too, right? Yes, they're ready to move on if at any point it doesn't work. But I love this kind of thing. I've been saying the same thing about Chicago, Brandon, so I have to say the same thing about uh, the Vikings and what they're doing in Minnesota. The best part about drafting a receiver before you draft the quarterback is that Kevin O'Connell, Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, they can all gel as a receiving unit so that whenever a rookie quarterback comes in, honestly, as much as I know everybody wants the rookie to be the leader – why do you want that right yeah. what does a 22 year old have to bring positively to an nfl offense right much better for the receivers and the offensive coordinator and the rest of the staff to have everything worked out and make him a football thrower like a, a living jugs machine for a little while until he starts to pick up the nuances of nfl defenses and starts to fix problems that they create you know what i'm saying
2: right 100 100 you want to you want to build the foundation. Ideally, build the foundation and then throw the quarterback in there and then build even more around him, not Absolutely. the other way
1: around. I'll tell you, now segueing a little bit so that we can talk just a smidge about the rest of the draft, I am pretty excited that Poles was able to read the tea leaves correctly because seeing Darnell Wright immediately kick off a run on offensive lineman was kind of nice to be on the other side of it. Obviously, the Bears didn't take the first one. But they read that they they needed to take one now, and that there was a too far. Did you think everybody was going to be gone by fourteen?
2: I thought there was a chance. Yeah, I mean all all the all the reports said that. And then you look you look at the draft and who's where. Like you had the Titans at eleven, you had the Patriots right after that. You had the Packers who had a chance of taking someone. You had the Jets. You had the Steelers who had who had talks about trading up for. With the Bears to go get a tackle, they traded up and they got a tackle. Like there was, there was just so many suitors that would have been perfect to take an offensive tackle. And they asked Pauls about that after, and he said, "Yeah, we had, we had an option on the table to, dr- to trade back further, but we really wanted Darnell Wright because he was our number one tackle. So there is no way we can lose him." It reminds me of the Kyler Gordon conversation, Brandon. Right where polls will earnestly tell us
1: what it, things look like on their draft board. And hey, if they had him number one, why pass on it? Now, giving you the floor for a little bit. Any draft picks that particularly appealed to you that you went? Yes,
2: yes. Will McDonald was a guy that really stuck out to me because a lot of people, a lot of people were projecting him in the second round. I looked at him. I looked at the bend. I looked at the speed. I looked at the length, and I'm like, "This dude, the sky is the limit." The, like the 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 sky is the limit on a type of dude like this, like the the type of pass rushing ability that he will be able to create in the NFL, like is extremely extremely valuable. Seeing the NFL value him that highly is it, it's it's really nice. Like being able, being able to see that is really nice. And I think he went to a a perfect spot in the jazz. I think they're trying to build a really nice pass for us and he's going to help with that immediately. you like, you have that, you have that type of bend you're going to be able to contribute immediately. Even if it's just third down, like that, that's going to make a huge contribution year one. Oh, I
1: mean, Watching more and more college tape Brandon it became clear to me just how hard it is to pressure the passer without bend you know because Mm -hmm. what I think what I think it's forgotten about people talk about bend and Brandon until I really saw it so I'm going to try to crystallize it as best as I can Uh, I took it very literally right that bending the edge implies flexibility implies getting pushed over and turning the edge anyways but what nobody tells you out loud brandon is that the bendier you are the faster you turn the corner meaning the less distance you have to clear the tackle by right mm-hmm. that's the core like quarterbacks don't hold the ball forever right like that kind of bend like we see with FAU who got picked at the very end of the first round right like there's a reason Miles Murphy got to 28, and Will McDonald got picked at 15. Will Will McDonald be the be the player that Miles Murphy will be? Brandon, I don't know. Like Miles Murphy is a much more prototypical frame in the NFL, right? Where you say at least you got a run defender. You know, maybe he won't be worth pick 128, but it will be a good player that pressure or that like pushes the pocket. But with Will McDonald, dude dominated the Senior Bowl one on ones. I mean, dominated the senior bowl one-on-ones he has some reps at, at ohio state that'll drop your jaw when you see just how agile this guy is it remains to be seen whether he's stout enough to play in the run game but he's always weighed higher than i anticipated he would i'm intrigued if nothing else even if brandon i think that the jets got hosed out of a tackle and had to kind of find a plan b real fast right
2: i mean and that's i mean that's why I think it's smart to – that's I mean, the the one thing that you don't want to see is a team training up before you, you're about to take a guy and take your guy, and then you just stick with the plan. So the one thing you didn't want to see them do is draft Anton Harrison. Right. And while, while I liked Anton Harrison, it's just like it's a completely backwards idea. Like you want, yeah, you want to you draft the best player available. So it, it looks like that's what they did. Oh, our tackle went. Okay, so now – next best player available, just happens to be an edge. Do they right. need edge help? Probably isn't an immediate need. No, not at all.
1: But, I mean, Brandon, that's the most complicated piece of this. Look, we're Bears fans. So, first of all, the first round is pretty new to us. You know what I'm saying? But the uh, when you really look at the broader picture, you can't really draft with, like, next year exclusively in mind. Like you gotta be you gotta have at least a little bit of an eye on 2024 and 2025, you know? And if you're not reloading at edge, you risk running dry. It's the same decision the Cardinals made, right? Are DJ Humphreys and Kelvin Beach in bad? Not not yet, you know, <laughs> yeah. but they won't be forever, you know, like they're 30 and 34. It's you have to reload eventually, especially since rookies don't traditionally play well. I mean, the saying goes, Brandon, for every rookie you start, add a loss to your projected record, right? Mm-hmm. And and within that, it's like, hey, kudos to the Jets for staying cool headed, at least in my opinion. The uh, the the run on corner was kind of funny. What did you think happened with Christian
2: Gonzalez and Joey Porter? That was interesting. That was interesting because I was very, very high on Christian Gonzalez. He was my number one corner. He's our number um, two prospect
1: on building the board because yes. you and I both gave him yep. such sparkling reviews.
2: Yeah, I was I was very worried when the when the Lions were picking at twelve. I'm like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. I would have been eight I would have been furious Livid. if they took him at six. Now they have another opportunity at twelve and they passed him on. So I I don't know what happened. I think there must be medicals um, behind the scenes that teams are worried about. Like, there has to be. That's the only thing that makes sense to me.
1: That's just Um, not true. I have to cut you off, Brandon. You and I talked about this. Like, okay, so one thing I think is so interesting about football, Brandon, is that I have become a believer that football coaches can spend so much time around each other that they forget what matters Within the like the grand scale of football, and that that's part of why sometimes we can glean more analysis than we realize from guys who specialize in fantasy football and don't know a doggone thing about X's and O's. Following so far, mm hmm, within that. You mentioned, Brandon, you talked to me about this, that if Christian Gonzalez and a guy like Joey Porter were going to have a knock on him, it's that a defensive head coach was going to sit in the war room and say, you put that guy on the field and they're going to run at his side every dadgum play and we are going to get killed out there. That's your plan. And you're probably over focusing on, I don't want to call it minor because- A defensive coach is going to jump down my throat, but you're focusing on the less important part of playing corner, right? But I, I got the impression it really matters because the guys that got drafted higher, they play in the run game. Like, it's not like we saw Julius Brantz or something that's a little more obvious, but guys like Deontay Banks, guys like Witherspoon, guys like uh, even Emmanuel Forbes at 160, like going to blow away in the wind, like they come downhill and they hit. Like, do you think that has anything
2: to do with it? It has to do a little bit with it. I mean, you you include scheme fit. It has it has to do at least a little bit. There, there Like, there's no way. There's no way. Because, I mean, Joey Porter Jr. is another dude I really liked. Really liked. At the end of the day, like, the coverage ability is, like, massive.
1: Outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, Brandon, I would argue, just to to boost this up, he's one of the best natural zone thinkers that I've seen at his size. Like, he he gets zone coverage and drops
2: and route packages. He sees it all.
1: It's so cool. You know what I mean?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And at that size, like that yeah. size, that length, like in, an, in another world, like he might've been playing the end. Cause like that, that, that is the type of, like, that is the type of length that he has. Like his dad played outside linebacker. Right. <laughs> Probably thought he was going to be doing the same thing, but no, he's like, he's a corner.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's bizarre, but part of me thinks that, I mean, you got to remember, Brandon, they're in these interviews. Right. So eventually you're going to have a defensive coach that asks him straight to his face. Like, why aren't you more involved in the run game? And what's he going to say? Right. It's not like he thinks he's doing it. You you have to imagine that he's not. I don't know. The guys you've coached when they don't want to get involved in the run game. What would they say if you asked them to get more involved in the run game?
2: I tried, coach. (laughs) I tried. I did. He blocked me. But it's it's funny. It's funny we talked about this because our first game of the season, we were playing against a really really big wide receiver, and he was pulling our DBs, pulling our DBs, and he was driving me nuts. You guys, you guys gotta get off this block. You guys he got to get off the block. And immediately after the season, he had like thirty D one offers, and ended up transferring <laughs> to an SEC school. <laughs>
1: you were like, Oh, okay. Okay." All right.
2: All right. I guess it's fine that you guys didn't get off that guy. That one's
1: fine. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else in the draft you want to talk through? It was a fun night. I mean, tons of trades, surprisingly weird, little trades too. tons of little moves up two to three slots.
2: I mean, we got to talk about Will Lavis. Got it. We like, we, we have to talk about like all, like there was so much steam on him going to two is like, uh, the Texans have him as QB two, blah, blah, blah. Is he going to go to four? Like, is he going to go do the Titans like him? Like there were so many reports. There were so many reports. And I, I come back to like, I think we all got duped. I think it was, I think it was all 100% agency driven. That his agency drove him to be talked about constantly among the media, and at the end of the day, the NFL teams were just looking at at each other, not willing to blink.
1: I mean, had to be, right, Brandon? And there's another name I want to throw into this, not because they're the same level of prospect, but because, my word, the noise, Brandon. How did 25-year-old, ACL-torn, gimmick offense, Hendon Hooker, get into so many smart people's first round mock drafts for Will Levis to not even get in. You know what I'm saying?
2: There were media guys that swore. Swore. He was, swore he was going around. Swore. <laughs> but, I like getting Hooker. When I watched his tape, when I when I like when I originally was watching Jalen Hyatt, one of my main takeaways was because I didn't w I I cause I was coaching during the fall. I didn't watch um, Hendon Hooker at all alive. One of my main takeaways was, oh, well, Hennon Hooker can actually play, right? And like, can I? And I stand by that. I I think the dude can actually play, play. Like he was, like he was actually good. But at the same time, as you mentioned, he's twenty five. He just tore his ACL. Like, I he plays in a gimmicky offense. Even even though it's very successful, it's like very. It's the Baylor it's, offense. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of projection there, and a lot, a lot of, like a lot of projection that doesn't make sense round one, and uh, to be honest with you, doesn't make sense round two, and so I, I think it's going to be hilarious when he does not go round two. Like Brandon, I think Will I... Levis might go round two. I do not think Hendon Hooker is going to go round two.
1: Well, if Hendon Hooker is going to follow the, okay, so look, I said it was the Baylor offense. For those who don't know, I'm a Baylor alum. I make enough noise about this. I attended Baylor when Art Bryles was at Baylor. And I would argue, Brandon, that he has driven one of the most intriguing offensive stories that we're not going to really talk about because it's marred by a really awful scandal. And it should be marred by it, right? But Baylor produced this quarterback. His name was Bryce Petty. He played for the Jets for a little while. And I don't know if you know this, Brandon. At his pro day, one of the things that he had to actually demonstrate this was a big deal around town was that he could take a snap from under center. Mm-hmm. Like he had never done it in college. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if Hendon did either. You know? Like the the weird part about these offenses is that some of the really little stuff, right? Like footwork under center. Like never done it. Like when you want to talk about raw All the stuff you got to learn in an NFL offense. Now you have to do it with a changing eye level that comes from a seven step drop. You know, like that's just a lot of projection for anyways, all this to say, because it's not actually about hooker. It's more about how on earth did we spend so much airtime talking about quarterbacks that clearly the NFL did not value. It's bizarre to me. I mean, the agents got this one to two points to the agents on that.
2: I mean, they're still doing it. I saw Chris Mortensen tweet out. He was one hundred percent serious. He tweet. I don't know if it uh, an agency has his has his like Twitter login or what. <laughs> he was he he tweeted out that Levis had a toe injury that he may or may not no. be able to play through the season and then have surgery or something on it, and that had something to do with his stock. No. No like, he way. actually he actually tweeted that, and I was like, "There's there is no way." I and and right before the draft, it was like Mike uh, or I don't know how you say his name. Garofalo? I I I think that's how you say his name. Um, but he tweeted he tweeted out right before the right before the right before the draft took off, and they said actually, the Titans are very high on Will Levis. And they were surprised Actually. how much they liked him. And I'm like, how much how much was he paid for this? Like, how, how, much, how much was he paid for this? before the draft started? And they just passed on him. They had the he fell right into their lap. They were like, no chance. Right. No there. chance. So I think I think it's gonna be very, very interesting to see where he goes, uh, round two. Cause I mean, the Lions are gonna have their shot at him. The Vikings are going to have their shot at him again. The Lions are going to have multiple shots, might have multiple shots at him. Like, I, it's going to be interesting.
1: And I don't know how you feel about it, Brandon. Look, uh, I'll use a metaphorical comparison. The two players I'm about to compare uh, are not similar at all, right? Watching Will Levis' tape makes me feel a very similar way to when I watched Mac Jones' tape back in the day, where I'm like, everybody hates this guy. I get I get why people like him. You know what I mean? Quick release, little bit of mobility, like re- does go through his reads, comes from an jacked. SEC program, jacked, got battered like with next to nothing around him. I would have expected better from Will Levis. The tape is not clean. I'm not going to bet for him necessarily as a top 10 pick. I'm just saying you can see that he can play a little bit. You know, and suddenly he's becoming a value pick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was, I was, like,
2: just, I was just about to say that because I the the Lions, they didn't walk into the draft with the thirty fourth pick. No, now they ha- now they now they have it. They were given it. Now they did trade back and draft a running back, but they were given that pick. They might think about it in some aspect as a luxury pick, and think that. They can draft Levis, and it'll be a luxury to have him on the team.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean, it'd be hilarious because the only pro comp I think makes any sense, Brandon, when you include the story and all that, is is Jay, right? Like Jay Cutler. If that's not clear enough,
2: like it wasn't
1: actually <laughs> SEC, SEC program monster arm got battered his whole college career, right? and had to learn everything ground up back at the NFL like i i'm not saying that the levis and him are one to one exactly but it's funny to see that story repeat itself and if that guy goes to detroit finds it a little bit I mean, for crying out loud, he may end up just like Jay, where he has his couple years where he's a stud and then gets traded for one reason or another. Who knows? Who knows? The NFL is truly more cyclical than I think we realize sometimes. But overall, I mean, if we were going to go through final thoughts, Brandon, good day for the Bears. Good day for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar's day, a little more noisy. Yeah great day for Lamar, like sweet receiver and millions of dollars. I think this is one of those days that nobody's going to, okay, Brandon, I'll say this. Nobody's going to look back and remember picking Darnell Wright and be like, hot dang, Ryan Poles really, really nailed it with that Darnell Wright selection, you know, but the way he managed the number one overall pick, I mean, look at what Houston just did. Like it's, I think he got a ton of resources out of it. And despite whatever went up on Panthers.com, I do find it hard to believe that there was some crazy, massive, super dream trade-up that a 2025 second-round pick really pushed over the edge, right? Like, it maybe I don't know, I'm willing to accept a little bit of homeritis here, but I've been dealing with what Ryan Pace has done for years, which is, first of all, not having first-round picks, but then as soon as we get one, trading up for a position that you just don't need to take where you took it, right? Trading up for a running back, trading up for Cole. We didn't trade up for Cole Komet. But instead, Ryan Poles seems to be operating with a plan in place, and that feels really fresh. So tomorrow, I'm looking forward to more of the same. Maybe Keanu Benton falls. Maybe he doesn't. At this rate, there's enough talent on the board. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bears get their shot at Joe Tipman, who I think is a really interesting guard or center backup interior offensive lineman, since all three of the Bears' interior offensive linemen have an injury issue, right? Like, yes. <laughs> the Bears have the opportunity to stack quality depth to start getting people in i mean obviously they need some defensive linemen because they're you know they don't even really have any starters sorry guys um but there's like the bears are operating with a plan in place it feels fresh it may not always it may not all be done and for all i know the bears may trade down at one of their slots 64 could easily turn into 80 and like what 120 150 something You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the kind of, the kind of player that literally Joe Shane and the giants did not value. They thought I will give that up to go get, um, Oh my gosh, Deontay banks, but the bears, that's a special teamer that they do not have right now. You know, Brandon, like that, that goes understated. The, The one thing Ryan Pace did so badly was he left so many rookie contracts off the roster that when Ryan Poles takes over, not only do they not have starters, they don't have depth either, right? And it's nice to see that the Bears have ten picks, Maybe they'll add more,
2: but good day overall. What'd you think? One hundred percent I the the double, I would say that the that the Bears hit combined with the chaos of round one made for the perfect perfect television for today as a Bears fan. And I'm glad. I'm happy and I'm excited for day two because there's so much talent that no one said that everyone said there's no way that guy no way Matthew Bergeron is going to be available no no way Addy's going to be available round two like there's so much talent on the board for round two there's going to be plenty of talent on the board when Ryan pulls picks who knows he might he might even trade up I think it gives them all the opportunities to do whatever they want.
1: Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Because there's some of these players, I'll tell you what, that uh, like Adetomiwa Adabuare, as bothered as I am by some of his film, you take him at 53, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like the value completely changes when you get a player like that at the ideal mark because – it wouldn't surprise me if I had told me why to go- Burrari. Anyways, that's a show for another time. This podcast has not gone on long enough. Bears fans, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Hopefully we made your commute or both of your commutes a little bit easier. Can't wait to break down the rest of the draft as it happens. And until next time, Brandon, where can folks find you online? At rob NFL. There you go. We will talk to you next time. See ya. Thanks for bearing down with me. Yes, it's two in the morning.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself.